0: We are, uh, man, we are in, we're looking at the life of Jesus uh, through the Gospel of John, and uh, as a result, looking at the life that he calls us to as his followers, as his students, as his disciples, and um, you know, faith and, and trust and belief or, or whatever we want to call it is one of the great themes of Scripture. That faith and trust and belief is a theme uh, that we see woven all throughout the Old Testament and all throughout the New Testament uh, as we read the Bible. And we definitely see it in the Gospel of John. Um, and, and for every single one of us, for every single one of us, we, we have faith or, or trust or belief or whatever you want to call it in, in something. We put our faith or trust and belief in something to help you and I navigate uh, life and death and. Um, and, and eternity. And, and so that's wh- where we're going to go this morning is uh, uh, we're going to look at this morning of how our faith in Jesus grows. And, and let me give us three very practical statements that we're going to you know, process through and unpack as we go along. But let me just give them to you up front and you can write these, uh, uh, these three statements down and, uh, and then we'll unpack them as we go along. But Uh, So three steps of progression this morning as we talk about our faith, our trust, our, our belief in Jesus is that faith is born through thinking. Okay, faith is born through thinking, faith grows through the will, and faith matures through times of trouble. That, that faith, it's born, it begins, it starts through thinking. Faith grows through the will and faith matures through times of trouble. If you have your Bibles this morning, you can turn to John chapter 4. And if you don't have your Bibles, you can pull it up on your phone or you can, we'll put it up on the screen for you. Uh, but but let, me, let me set the backdrop a little bit. Uh, we were in John chapter 4, the beginning of last week. And it's the story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well. And some things we need to know to really appreciate this story is that the Jewish people, they looked down on the Samaritans. They didn't want anything to do with the Samaritans. And the reason why was because Samaritans were half Jewish and half something else. Uh, And the Jewish people were not supposed to marry outside of the Jewish faith. And so, uh, so they looked down on the Samaritans for that. And another cultural uh, faux pas was that men did not talk to women and so here in the story you have Jesus who is Jew talking to the Samaritan and also a man, Jewish man talking to a Samaritan woman and immediately Jesus breaks through all the social you know do's and don'ts and elevates this woman Uh, And and brings her respect and dignity. And they have this conversation about living water and a spring of water that wells up of of eternal life inside of us when we put our faith in Jesus. And uh, they have this conversation about her past that he knows about because he's God. Uh, and, and as a result, she puts her faith in Jesus as the Messiah. And then she runs back to town saying, here is a man who told me everything that I've ever done. Surely he must be the Christ. He must be the Messiah. He must be the one that God had promised to send to the people of Israel, uh, to, to redeem and to rescue the people of Israel. And so that's where our story kind of picks up today. So, uh, let's just jump right into it. That faith is born Through thinking now, sometimes people will say, and and I'm sure I'm guilty of saying it myself, and we've probably all said it to some degree, is that uh, when we're going through a difficult time or a difficult circumstance, uh, painful situation, that uh, we'll say, "Well, you know, that really it really doesn't make sense to me," but that's just where faith comes in. Right. And we know we know what we're trying to say and we know what they're trying to say. But if we're just really honest, it it really doesn't help us in the moment. It doesn't help us in the heaviness and the pain and the sorrow of the moment to say, well, that's just where faith comes in. And so faith is uh, what we need to understand is that faith is not opposed to reason. Okay, faith is not opposed to reason. That, that Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, he says, We walk by faith, not by sight. Okay, let's just say that together. We walk by faith, not by sight. Okay, let's say it again. We walk by faith, not by sight. Now, what Paul doesn't say is that we walk by faith, not by reason. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say we walk by faith, not by rational thinking that faith is not born out of ignoring the facts, okay? That faith is not born out of ignoring the facts. In fact, the Bible says that faith is born when the heart consumes the truth. That, that's where faith begins. That's how faith starts, is when our heart engages, engages and consumes the truth. First Peter chapter 2 says that uh, we are all born again, by the word of God. And so, so we have to come around that faith is born through thinking. Now let's jump into our, our passage here in John chapter 4, uh, beginning uh, in verse 39. It says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed, just underline believed there, believed in him because of the woman's testimony. And he told, he told me everything I ever did. And so when the Samaritans came to him, that's Jesus, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed for two days. And because of his words, okay, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. But now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. So... So he, he, here's, you see the progression here, that, that this woman, she, she tells them the truth as she's experienced it, and, and, and some of them put their faith in Jesus, but then they hear it from Jesus himself, and so they're getting more information, they're, they're thinking, they're processing, and more people put their faith in Jesus. Um, let me illustrate for us like this. So let's say that you go to the doctor, and the doctor says you need to have a small you know, procedure, small, you know, surgery, it's outpatient, it's no big deal, but it's still kind of a, you know, it's still surgery. And so probably one or two things are going to happen with us when we hear that prognosis. We're either probably going to go get a second opinion, okay, or we're going to talk to some people who've had the same surgery. So, so what are we doing in that moment? Well, what we're doing is we're thinking, we're processing, we're studying, where um, we're we're getting um, we're gathering evidence uh, about this surgery, and and so and we have to do that in order to get uh, enough faith or enough trust in this doctor's first of all his diagnosis and second of all the surgery right so that's what we're doing we're, we're building our trust by by thinking and processing and gathering evidence and information and so our faith with jesus is no different that faith in jesus is no different that that we study and we think and we gather evidence because faith starts with information that faith always starts with information Okay, to walk by faith and not by sight means that we walk by what we know, okay? That we walk by what we know, we, we stick to the truth. And when we know the truth of God's word, then we begin to tell our moods, okay, our mood swings. We begin to tell our feelings. We begin uh, to tell our fears and our worries where to get off because we, we, faith begins with information, that we go by what we know, not by what we see. I mean, if we're going to allow our lives to be controlled by what we see or how we feel or what the circumstances dictate, then we'll be all over the place. I mean, our, our, our lives will be one roller coaster dip after another if we, are, if we allow our, our feelings or what we see or our circumstances to dictate how we respond and how we live and how we think. And so faith, it always begins with thinking. That faith is not the absence of thinking, but actually faith is the highest form of thinking. Psalm 42 says this. says, why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Who's the psalmist talking to there? Himself. That's my wife right there. Front row knows the answer. So so proud of you, babe. Gold star. Gold star. Who's the psalmist talking to? Amen. Himself. He's talking to himself. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within in me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my savior and my God. That the psalmist is reminding himself who God is. He's talking to the core of who he is. He's talking to his emotions. He's talking to his thoughts. He's reminding himself who God is. And, you know, when we start listening to our hearts, our hearts are going to say all kinds of things, right? They're going to say all kinds of things. And when we start listening to our hearts, it's it's no wonder we get overwhelmed by anxiety and worry and fear. But faith is born through thinking about the truth. And so if we're no matter where we are on our God journey, whether we're at the beginning or we've been walking with God for 40 or 60 years, it always comes around the truth. We need to focus in and think on the truth and preach to ourselves and remind ourselves of what the truth is. So, so faith is born through thinking. So let's go to the next step. Okay, faith grows uh, through the will that faith grows through the will so faith starts with thinking but it grows when we act upon it that our faith will grow when we act upon it. now let's go back to our doctor illustration okay so we've gathered all the information okay we've got our second opinions we've talked to some people who, who've had the same identical surgery and we've placed our faith in the doctor's diagnosis and we have the surgery. Okay, and after the surgery, what was wrong has now been made right. What happens to our faith in that doctor? It also grows, right? Our confidence in that doctor grows. Well, the same is true when it comes to Jesus. Truth, okay, leads to action. Truth, when we have When we, you know, our our faith is growing because we're thinking about the truth, but truth is going to lead to action, which means the more truth we get, it leads to more action in our lives. And when the truth, when we have more truth and more action, we will have less moments of doubt when we're when we're engaging the truth when we're thinking and processing and meditating on the truth and we're acting on it we're 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 trying to live out what it says we will have fewer moments of doubt and fear and anxiety um, it, it's kind of like uh, the trust circle. I don't know if you've ever been at a, you know, an office offsite retreat or maybe a retreat or whatever. And uh, you know, the, the circle of trust is when you know all your coworkers kind of make a circle around you, and they blindfold you, and you keep your, you know, your body stiff, and you just kind of lean, you know, and, and you trust your coworkers to kind of, you know, catch you, and then push you, and then you're going this way, and, you know, you know, Bob catches you, and, you know, in sales, and he pushes you to, you know, to Janice, who's in human resources, but she knows what you did, and doesn't like you, so she's gonna let you fall, you know, it's kind of one of those kind of deals. You know, it's always the human resources people, you know, by the way. Um, I'm just joking, if you're human resources, I'm just joking, okay? Um, it's really finance department that really, yeah, no, I'm just... Um, but it's one of those deals. And, and, and so when you're the person um, who's blindfolded and you're you know, keeping your body stiff, you've got to fight that natural tendency to kind of you know, separate your feet a little bit and to keep your center of gravity just in case they don't catch you. That's how, that's how it is in our world because our society tells us that we don't need to trust our center of gravity with anyone, especially when it comes to God. And so, so faith, though, it, it grows when we act on it. That our faith, it, it won't grow if we're not willing to commit and act. That faith is born through thinking about the truth, but faith grows because of our commitment. Let, let's look at verse 43 through 48. It says, After two days, Jesus left Galilee. Now Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. And when he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him and they had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival for they also had been there. So they're pretty fired up that Jesus is here because they've seen Jesus do some miracles and they've heard him teach. And once more, he visited Cana in Galilee where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick in Capernaum. And when this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. And Jesus told them, or kind of rebuked them, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will never believe. And so, so here, here's what's going on. Galilee and Capernaum are about 25 miles apart. And so this very... Um, uh, royal official, this very important and influential person, this man, he, he walks or he runs or he rides, whatever, whatever uh, to get to Jesus. Now, now, it doesn't say how much faith he has in Jesus, but he has at least a little bit of faith in Jesus. He's heard about what Jesus can do, and he's at the point that, that G, Jesus is his son's last shot, his last hope. And so he's heard enough about Jesus to say, well, this is my last shot and I'm going to go find Jesus. I'm going to bring Jesus back here and sort of heal my son. And so he's got a little bit, at least a little bit of faith in Jesus. So the royal official said, verse 49, sir, come down before my child dies. So you got it. So the faith is now growing a little bit. Not only have I gone to this guy to find Jesus, now, now this guy has, is begging Jesus to come back. Verse 50, go, Jesus replied, your son will live. And the man took Jesus at his word and departed. So now his faith is really starting to grow. It's gone from, hey, I've heard about Jesus' reputation and who he is and what he can do to you know, actually believe in he can do something about you know, my problem, about my son. And, and now Jesus says, my son will live. And so my faith has grown to the point I'm gonna act on it to where I'm gonna trust what Jesus said and I'm just gonna start heading back. And the man took Jesus at his word and departed. And while he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living so you know the the son has made a recovery and the servants are so excited they just can't wait till the you know to to where, when the royal official comes home they go find him they're they know we're going to meet him on the road at some point and so when he required as to the time when his son got better, they said to him yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. And then the father realized that this was the exact time in which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And so now we're really stepping into faith now. It says, so he and his whole household believed." So they got more information and more information, and more evidence, and more information. And then they acted on that information. They acted on that truth. And in faith was born. See, his faith is growing. His commitment is making his faith grow even more. So, so faith, the beginning stage is I'm going to get as much evidence as I can. And then as I get more evidence on the truth and then my faith is going to be born and then it's going to grow, the more truth I get, the more action it, it brings in my life, the less doubts I'm going to have. But now we get to the part where our faith really steps into the arena of maturity. Because faith matures through times of trouble. And the reason why this man is moving towards Jesus in faith is because tremendous suffering has come into his life. Now, let's just be real honest here. For the most part, the only thing that moves us towards Jesus is suffering. And we're just being honest. You know, for the most part... Suffering moves is the only thing that moves us toward Jesus. And the reason why is, much of the time, our faith or our belief or our trust is in ourselves. That our trust is in in our abilities or our talents or our skill sets or our networks or our net worth. That's what we put our trust in. And it's usually not until we suffer that we finally realize that those things cannot help us. And every single one of us, myself included, we all have crutches that we rely on. We all have crutches that we rely on for, uh, for, for peace and for meaning in life and identity and direction. And when those things crumble, we crumble. And suffering makes us question the things that we put our trust in. Suffering, for whatever reason, has a way of exposing the things that we put our trust in. Suffering shows us, what it really shows us is that we need to build our lives on the solid rock of God's truth. That's what suffering exposes in our lives, if we'll allow it. And most of the people who have great faith that we know, most of the people that have a daily reality of the presence of Jesus in their lives that we know, would say that it wasn't until suffering came into their lives that they were able to believe and trust God at this level. And that's some of your stories today. That you are who you are. That your faith is what it is in Jesus because you went through some season of suffering and instead of running from God, you, for whatever reason, you ran toward God and your faith matured. That it's no longer your mom and dad's faith or your grandma's faith. It's your faith that you can stand on the truth, on the solid rock of God. And that's the gift of suffering, is that it matures our faith. Faith matures in suffering. So so what do we do about it as the band comes? and gets ready just to lead us into a response, let let me give us two very practical things that we can do um, about about our faith. Number one, that we begin arguing with ourselves. That we begin arguing, you begin arguing with yourself. Now for those of us that are in the midst of, of suffering, We need to start reminding ourselves who God is and what he has done. We need need to remind ourselves of, of his faithfulness in the past. We need to start doing what the psalmist does and preaching to ourselves and arguing with ourselves. Reminding who God is and what he's done. Let me just ask you just a set of rhetorical questions. You don't need to answer, but man, as parents, we love our children, right? And we would do anything in the world to help set them up for success. And But we also know that as they grow and, 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 and as they mature, that they're going to experience suffering in their lives. They're not going to be immune. There's nothing we can do to... to to cause them to to never suffer in their lives. It's just going to happen sooner or later. So one of the best things we can do for our children is help them establish their lives on the solid rock of God's truth. That's why what Rachel and her team do in kids' ministry is so important. They're not babysitting our kids. They're they're building those kids' lives on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. So that when suffering comes their way, 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road, 30 years down the road, they can say, oh yeah, I sing the song, Joshua, you know, and, and the Jericho song. And you know, just like God did that back then, he'll do this for me today. And it may not end up the way I want it to end up, but God, just like God was faithful back then, he's faithful today. For you and I, the best thing we can do is consistent moments in God's Word. Be reading John. We're going to start John chapter 5 next week. Read John chapter 5 this week. Get that truth in our hearts. Start acting on that truth. And so when suffering does come, our faith matures. That's why gathering in corporate worship is so important. To hear these songs sung to remind us of who God is and what He's done. So the first thing that we can do is to begin arguing with ourselves. And the second thing we can do is start doubting our doubts. Start doubting your doubts. We Yes, trust in Jesus. But we need to mistrust the things that we put our hope and identity in that's not Jesus. We need to start doubting our doubts. I mean, sometimes we become real skeptical of God, Right? But instead of becoming skeptical of God, we need to take a step way back because we, we we're getting we have getting the truth in our hearts, and we need to become skeptical—not of God, but we need to come become skeptical of our skepticism of God. Well, why am I why am I so skeptical? I can't even say the word. And Why are we so skeptical to God? About God. Why am I doubting? Well, I need to start doubting my doubts. Why am I so, so suspicious of God? Well, let's take a step back. We have the truth. Let me be suspicious about my suspicions. Let's doubt the right thing. Let's not doubt the truth. Let's not doubt God. Let's doubt why we feel this way in the first place. And let's question that. So whew, what are we going to put our trust in? Ourselves? Our talents, our abilities, our hearts. Oh, you just gotta trust your heart, Pastor. Please. Can't trust our hearts. Our hearts want one thing at breakfast and something totally different by lunch. I mean, it, it's it's all over the place. Can't trust our hearts. We can trust this. And we can trust our hearts to this as we get more information and more investigation and more evidence, our faith is born, our faith grows when we start to act on it and one day when suffering hits, we mature so let's begin to study, let's begin to think let's begin to gather evidence, then let's act on the truth and when we need to walk through suffering we walk knowing that God is faithful and he'll never leave us nor forsake us and he will not waste one tear. He will mature us. And he'll make his name famous.